people don't like to hear it. They don't, don't like to hear that I was working full time in a pub in the day and then I was coming home at night to do my free client work. It was a difference between me feeling confident going into working with Stephen Bartlett and not. I was high number one. I spent three to six months sat next to Steve every single day, learning, learning, learning. He said, this next three months of your life are gonna be the craziest learning experience you've ever been through. And I made myself the expert on Stephen Bartlett. I'd post something within seconds, it was like, I would have said this, changed this. My tone of voice is a bit more like this. I would have rather gone for a more unique point on this. Our culture of experimentation failing fast is the difference between us getting to number one, celebrating getting complacent and us getting to number one and going, okay, now how do we get to number one in America? So the secret really is just do as many experiments as you possibly can and keep learning. Test, fail, learn, test, fail, learn. Please don't believe everything you see on social media. Like I'll share my highlight reels. So much of my life is messy. Have I prioritized my sleep today? No. Have I prioritized like my relationship today? No. So what I'll make sure I'll do tomorrow because this is my version of balance is swap it over and prioritize all of those things. Welcome to Starting the Conversation. You're listening to episode number 250 of the podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benham, joined this week by the brilliant Grace Andrews, who is founder of The Social Climber and marketing director behind Stephen Bartlett and Dariva CEO. Welcome. Thank you. It never gets easier listening to someone interest. <laughs> at least you didn't have to listen to the part when everyone like lists off your accolades. Like oh. Grace started in social media at Ooh. this age and I'd well, be running out the door. It's the worst thing, isn't it? But yeah. do you ever find other people introduce yourself so much better than you could? Yeah, for sure. Because I don't even know what I'd say. I'm yeah. like, I think I work in social media. <laughs> Literally. And then by the end, you're like, yeah, they don't understand what I do. Yeah. And I've just made it sound like a hobby. <laughs> so that's really good. Love it. But I'd personally always prefer that than leave them feeling like oh she was a bit of herself you know like if you yeah, 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 imagine yeah, yeah. if you actually listed off like I'm a this and I'm a that and I won this award like I, I could not yeah I don't think that would do well let your reputation speak, speak for, for you that's the vibe so nice to have you here we were on a panel together earlier in the year weren't we and I think I said as like your tube pulled up to leave I was like you have to come on my podcast and here I am say so thank you for making the time I know you are super busy so just really appreciate you coming and sharing and I just know this is going to be one of those episodes where the listeners are like please have Grace back we have so many more questions so I guess to kind of dive straight into it one of the things that I'd really love to explore with you today is the concept of personal branding obviously that being something that you do for yourself as a social climber but also something you're very skilled at doing for other people aka Stephen Bartlett. Tell us a bit more about kind of how you see personal branding because I feel like it can be one of those buzzwords that gets thrown around and we almost lose an understanding of what we're actually talking about. So how do you see personal branding? Personal branding for me is your digital reputation. So mm -hmm. I see personal branding as an elevation of you through social media, through mm -hmm. kind of the digital online world. It's a weird phrase. So it didn't exist like three, four years ago. I know even mm. when I started working with Steve, we never called it personal branding. I was his social media manager. So mm. it's a really kind of new phrase that's been spread. It's one of those buzzwords that everyone's talking about. You've got to have a personal brand. I see personal brand, as I said, as kind of this, your digital reputation. It's an extension of who you are offline, online, probably in a more focused way than your real life. So it's, mm. for me, my personal brand is an element of me elevated online. And that's what we try and do for, for Steve and for myself and for other members of the team. Uh, for me, a 
personal brand means that, you know, I will never have to produce a CV again. I will probably never have to apply for a job in that sort of boring, mundane LinkedIn apply way. Yeah. Because I have this existing brand online, which people can either like like or dislike and use mm. to get to know me better than a CV ever will. So for me, my personal brand has given me unbelievable opportunities and opened so many doors that I never, ever dreamed of at this age at all. So that's how I kind of see that sphere. But it's it's an interesting one because people see it in different ways yeah that's kind of the fun though isn't it of like asking that question and understanding everyone's perspective because the way the digital landscape is like growing so rapidly it's like we're building regulation and definitions and and structures as we go and it's so interesting to see how kind of different people are interpreting the same things but yeah everyone gets to bring their spin on it am I right in thinking it was your personal brand that got you the job as social media manager for Darby CEO I guess you could say that, but again, at the time, nothing what I was doing, I considered a personal brand. The, the vocabulary just didn't exist. So the way I got my job, I guess, in part, I mean, if you go back even further, the way I got my first work experience was I recognized that there was so much noise on all these job pages and job applications. Mm. And I was fighting against a thousand people for these work experience opportunities or workplaces placements or internships and I was like how do I break through this noise mm. my CV doesn't have much on it you know I went to university it doesn't have much more than that like I worked in a pub I did yeah. life lifeguarding like, I did D of E gold <laughs> I mean that was did you? that was my best selling point Claps thank to you. you thank you that I mean now... that's how they sold it wasn't it do it it'll go on your CV and it will get you a job <laughs> did it <laughs> well I took it off eventually for me it was all about how do I stand out from the crowd I've, I've always been one of those people that kind of everyone goes left I go right so everyone was applying for these jobs in the same way easy apply send your CV rejection mm -hmm. over and over I wasn't even getting through to like a human or you know a real person on the other side so I was like fuck it um I'm gonna do something which breaks through the noise a little bit or just mm. tries to break through to at least one person who will give me a chance will give me a coffee I so I created like a digital CV which is funny looking back now because I know it's very popular to do I created almost like a portfolio in 90 seconds in a like short form video format and this was like gosh seven, I don't know seven eight years ago six seven eight years ago I don't wow. know math isn't my strong yeah point. but no I see what you're <laughs> saying like it really wasn't a done thing back then. No, like short form wasn't really a thing. Video wasn't really a thing. People were still doing it in like very traditional ways. And we see it now. We see people come up with these incredible digital portfolios and these applications. And especially for like the creative agencies, like I see some crazy effort go into those things. Yeah. I just was like, if I can break through and just get a contact or just speak to anyone who will give me 10 minutes of their time, this is worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think I've always kind of not cared too much about what other people think if it's going to give me an opportunity which is a huge blessing because I know not everyone's in the same boat and so yeah I created this like like me or not please can you share this or like put yeah. me in front of someone posted it to LinkedIn all you know way back then and it it opened up my first opportunities for me mm. so I've always kind of looked to do things a little bit differently and it was you know, that was really the start of my personal brand, which is crazy because I'd never even considered it as that at the yeah. time. And I look back and that was really where it all started. And then the same kind of couple of years fast forward when I'm applying for this role with Steve that came up and I was freelancing, super happy, loving freelancing. This job came up and I thought that's going to be the opportunity that fast tracks my career because of his knowledge and of wealth of knowledge in the industry. I really didn't have to do too much because I'd built this 
this platform, the social mm. climber, as my way, my lead magnet essentially for clients to see kind of the free education I was offering and my expertise yeah. so that they came and they were attracted to what I was putting out there and that was how I was getting my clients in. And I said, kind of, here's my digital portfolio. Here's everything you need to know about me. Here's some kind of dem me demonstrating that I know how to post on LinkedIn because my posts have done quite well so far, et cetera, et cetera. And it spoke for itself so much more than a piece of paper could ever have. Mm. And we don't hire with CVs at Doak. Like we don't hire, we never, we don't care for CVs. We want to see like people demonstrating their skills to us. So yeah, little did I know that that was kind of what I was doing all along. So it's kind of like a happy accident. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you probably discovered the word personal branding and you're like, oh, this labels that thing oh, I've been doing. I guess that's me. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I think what your story demonstrates so well is like, the role that messy action has to play in growth. I don't know if you find this, but I sometimes notice people look at, say where you are today, you know, like incredible, you know, your own brand that you've built, the work that you do with others, be so easy for people to look at that and go, okay, that's where I need to begin. <laughs> and am I right in thinking actually your first ever clients was you like being scrappy, doing work for free? You know, I think that's the bit that people don't always see, but you have to do that often to get to where you are now. People don't like to hear it. They don't, don't like to hear that I was working full time in a pub in the day and then I was coming home at night to do my free client work because I was so desperate to get my foot through the door mm. and get that experience and get that exposure. You know, people don't like to hear it because they say, you know, we shouldn't be offering our services for free, you know, have more self-conviction in your work and you know you should be re rewarded but I was l the value I was gaining from that experience was the lessons I was learning I was able to take on small businesses in the local area who were desperate for exposure online and I was desperate to learn mm. so they were willing to give me the opportunity in the learning and I think we're so quick to judge opportunity and roles and next steps by Mon like the money and the monetary value all the time. It's like, well, is there a pay rise involved? Yeah. What about the value exchange you're gonna receive? Mm -hmm. So me taking on those first couple of clients pro bono, and you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't encourage doing it for a year, mm. but I did it for a couple, like, I did it probably for a couple of months, couple of weeks for different clients to one, demonstrate my value so yeah. that they knew what they were buying into because it's a huge investment often for small businesses to mm. outsource work. And secondly, it gave me such an incredible opportunity to figure out what on earth I was doing on real clients' pages. Like that level of trust that they offered me is invaluable. You couldn't yeah. put a price on it. Completely. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I think like you said, it's something like working for free gets such a bad rep. And I can see why, like in some ways, absolutely. It's maybe not the thing to do, but like any of my clients who are hearing this can attest to like, whenever someone's doing something new, I'm like, do it for free. I'm like, I genuinely, and this is probably a bit of a like strong opinion, not controversial, just strong. Like, I just don't think you should charge for something until you've tried it. The amount of people, and I feel like we could probably go down a rabbit hole here, but like just selling stuff that you have no confidence in or prove it. Like, I'm not denying that people aren't good at what they do. I just think, as you've said there, like the experience, the confidence, the knowledge, the testing that you get from doing something once for free is so much more worthwhile than the potential lost income that you have from that time? Biggest fear right now, and this will not go down well, is LinkedIn experts selling their expertise, their expertise being that they've had a viral post. Mm -hmm. And then they have the ability somehow without any marketing knowledge, marketing experience, copywriting knowledge, copywriting experience, to sell that to clients in the forms of coaching, webinars, courses, 
and I look at it and I want to, you know, almost message these people who are going, you know, I'd like to come, I'd like to sign up going, just check before you invest your precious money. Yeah. You know, they're, gr- they're great salespeople, mm. but these personal brand experts have popped up overnight yeah. because of the result of a viral post, which most people can produce. Has it produced, you know, long-term client work for them? Mm. Has it produced clients who stay, you know, retained for longer than a month? Has it produced genuine real results Mm. for more than a year? Like, I don't know, that whole thing really concerns me. And I just worry that everyone thinks they can be this like personal branding expert or coach or whatever it is. They actually haven't got like the weighted knowledge of the of the testing and learning and they're gonna you know people are then gonna buy in and risk their accounts and pages mm. with these people who haven't done that test and warm and learn period yet that period and that learn, as i said is invaluable yeah and for me it was the difference between me feeling confident going into working with Stephen bartlett and not you know i didn't want to come to steve and do start doing those tests that i was doing on the accounts with like 200 followers yeah i came into millions that is so important to have that test and learn period mm. and i think as you said people are so desperate to skip to the win and skip to the 10k months and these you know these crazy unrealistic expectations in mm. year one it's it's not gonna end well i don't know i'd be interested to almost then put the question to you and th- this isn't me trying to catch you out i'm just really curious i guess both as people here with personal brands that sell their expertise you know as i said earlier like the space is not regulated so there's no grace and i have done the university course that tells us that we can sell our expertise in certain areas like it is a murky world the online education space i guess i'm curious to know like for you transitioning from like just doing it for others to then being a like educator and thought leader and selling your expertise was there any and i don't want to label it imposter syndrome because i think it is as you said like valid am i actually qualified to do this like i guess what has that journey looked like for you because i guess it's good to point out you didn't wake up one day start (coughs) the social climber do the work that you do now. So has that been kind of a gradual process of realizing, okay, yeah, this is weighted enough for me to start sharing it with others? The social climber for me is like my playground. So Mm. I use it as my space to play around, try new things, test new things. Something goes well, amazing. If it doesn't, amazing as well, because I've learned. And Mm. it's my messy place. It's the place I get to throw things around, try things. At the start, and I mean, that page is the, on the Instagram side of things and LinkedIn, have been running for, I don't know, three or four years now. If you scroll all the way back and both of them, you're gonna see all sorts of stuff. And you start to figure it out and you start to learn and you start to take on clients and you start to practice with them. If you build up your experience, you're building up your confidence because you can go, okay, Mm -hmm. I've now been able to do that call. I've taken the next step in the right direction. Okay, we've now taken that and I've been able to demonstrate that with another client. Okay, cool, that's building up my confidence and building up my experience and building up my knowledge. And to be honest, I never saw myself as someone who would be an educator in this space. I think what happens is you start to build your personal brand or build your, share your digital reputation online. You, because you are practicing it day in, day out, people start to rely on you in the same way we rely on accountants because you don't have the time to do financial things or we start to rely on, yeah. you know, other people because we don't have time to do that. People start to rely on you because they don't have time to be looking at like social media every day, but they Mm. know that if they come to you, you're gonna be able to supply them with the updates and supply them with like the top level that they need. Mm. And I think at the start, it really confused me because I was like, anyone can access this information. Like I'm not a wealth of knowledge, like I'm not a fountain of knowledge. Like I'm sourcing my information from 
the platforms or from mm. news sources or from other people. But because I'm spending all day, every day in it, I have more time to look and find that find that information and then share that with people online. Yeah. And that was when it clocked for me. I was like, ah, people just want the shortcut for this because they're so focused on building their business or so focused on uh, doing their full-time job. They don't mm. have the time that I do. So if I can condense it for them, I'm supplying something at convenience. And I think it was that switch. I was like, we all go to different things for convenience. Yeah. Like literally anything, think about everything we do. We try and find the quickest way to do it because mm. we live in this like instantaneous world. So if someone can, you know, come to my page and find the quick solutions or quick answers or quick fixes, mm. that's what they're looking for. And Steve sat me down maybe like six months into my role and said, okay, now the next thing you need to start doing is public speaking. And I was like, is it now? <laughs> I've always, oh, I mean, you probably tell, I've always been like pretty confident and I used to do a lot of drama and I like love being on stage. So it wasn't that side of things that shocked me. It was like, why would anyone listen to me? Mm. And he was like, you don't realize how much more already you know in this industry than most people. So mm. if people can come and listen to you for an hour and soak up some of that knowledge, that's an easy win for them. And I, it all just like my perspective on everything shifted. I was like, why do we go to all these people? Convenience, like ease of access, expertise, knowledge, awareness, and all of this sort of thing. So that was a real shift for me. And it, you know, it happened gradually as well. Like it's not like I woke mm. up one day, I was the expert in social media and everyone came to me and I was booked for all these talks. Like obviously not, it's all been super like maybe faster than average because of the environment I'm in and the people I'm connected to. Mm. But it's been like a drip feed process. I've like figured it out one podcast at a time, one talk at a time, one brand deal at a time. I think that's brilliant. And I particularly like what you've picked up on a few times in there, which is it sounds like for you, there's a huge emphasis on test, learn, try something new. Test, you know, test, learn, take it in. And I think we can all learn from that of never expecting that you reach this point of like, <laughs> I have the expertise and I have the answer, but actually probably like, yes, the environment you're in, I'm sure helps, but I would bet that part of your kind of growth, really incredible growth has come from that mindset of like not thinking that you know it all or not being stagnant and just doing the same thing, actually evolving and learning much quicker because the more you experiment, the more that you learn. So in terms of kind of that personal branding, like you said, you were kind of doing it before you knew what it was, then obviously came into your role at Diver CEO and kind of, I'd imagine that really kind of excelled things. Excel? Accelerated, that's the word I mean. I'm curious, was there a moment or is there a moment you can pinpoint that made you particularly realize like, oh my God, like building a personal brand is powerful. Like maybe something that it did for Steven, something that it did for your own brand. Can you pinpoint any moments that really make you go, oh, okay, wow, building a personal brand can really change your life? I mean, the first one, like getting the role in the first place was a pretty crazy, cr crazy moment for me because really I didn't have to do too much to get it, which like slightly blows my mind a little because I, I had this existing platform. But when it comes to Steve, there's one thing in particular which really stands out to me as the moment when I went, geez, like what we're building is crazy. We... So the Diary of a CEO was maybe two years old at this point. And I think we had, I think we had about 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So for context, if you're not a listener, we're like nearly at 4 million now. This is like a year and a half later. So the growth has been like absolutely crazy since then. But mm. we had a solid, you know, we had a really solid platform of 100,000 on YouTube. And so that was sort of the size we were working with. And we always like to do things a little bit differently. So we were like, let's do a live show, but this isn't gonna be like a live show where 
you have the stage, which is just the podcast and just have a conversation. As much as I'm sure that would have gone down well, we're like, let's mix it up. Let's do things differently. And Steve's really inspired by theater and music and arts and mm. communicating in a way that resonates beyond sort of textbook or educational school mm. type ways. So we're like, we're going to do this extravaganza show. But no one knew that. We advertised maybe 48 hours before seven dates for the diary of a ceo live so people were assuming it's the podcast on a stage right because yeah. you would we had no marketing material we had literally no time to build up hype or buzz we just were like fuck it let's just like put these on sale and see what happens type thing i was like a one-man bad marketing team <laughs> um i don't think i'd done crm at that like, i don't think i'd done email marketing at that point but i was like um to our existing database i was like hi everyone like tickets are going on sale for this thing tomorrow and then we basically did that i think as our main marketing channel and then posted a link organically across socials and integrated it into the podcast and we were like be interesting to see how these sell so we went for big venues we were like at the london palladium and these other places and we were like well we can always you know pull different levers if it's not selling out and we mm. can go down that path look at paid for like performance media and all of that sort of thing hit to go on sale and the tickets for the london palladium sell out in seven minutes so that's two and a half thousand people we were all like dumb we all looked at each other like what is going on London Palladium were on the phone. Hey, um, that is a record sellout for us. So this is like a venue that like all the greats performed at. Wow. Record sellout for us. Um, bear in mind, we're like six of us huddled around a table. Like, yeah. You're like, this is a podcast. We're, <laughs> we're like, what is going on? And they're like, we need to do another date. Like, absolutely, we need to do another date. You're <laughs> be familiar with that from your launch today yes um, <laughs> it's that moment isn't it where you go wow we've done such a good job this has been so easy let's make it harder, make it harder and do ourselves. it again <laughs> i love so it so they call and they say date number two we've we've freed it up we've got the second night do you want you know please can you put it on sale and we're like okay but we're not sure we can do that again it might be a bit slower this time hey everyone it's on sale uh, we've added more dates like go 11 minutes sell out Wow. And we're like, what the hell? Again, London played him third night, third night. And we're like, okay, but that's it because I don't think we could do this a third time. Like we're going to finish on a high. And I think that one sold out in 30 minutes. So that's, Crazy. you know, over 6,000 tickets in London alone. And then the tour went on to sell out, I think within the same day. And that was the moment because we, we, we didn't do the traditional uh, marketing funnel. We didn't do the mm. hype. We didn't do the build up. We didn't do the prep. We didn't do PR and all the traditional methods. We used Steve's personal brand. And because we'd built so much trust, yeah. loyalty, engagement, and community, they were ready to buy as soon as we dropped anything. And yeah. that for me is the power of personal branding. Like personal branding means you do not really have to market anything ever again because mm. people have bought into you. Yes. There's so much loyalty, isn't there, in a personal brand community. People are just for you and it's almost you can you know i don't fully mean this but you know put out whatever you want and they're <laughs> yeah, like cool yeah. we're here for it and but it's that's like, great but, but it's not kind of by chance or by luck or yeah. anything like that it's because you have invested the time into mm. drawing them in so that when the time is right and when the offer is right they're there and they're primed and they know that whatever it is they didn't know what they were coming to but they know whatever it is it's going to be worth it yeah because if you over deliver and you over deliver and you over deliver on the free stuff and you value 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 when it comes to take or people, you know, sell or whatever people like to say is mm. jab, jab, hook if you're Gary Vee, that they're primed and ready and they're ready to go. Mm. And I feel like that kind of links to what we were saying a bit earlier of like putting in the work before you reap the reward. I feel like as you shared, kind of your personal brand is an example of that, but also like so is Steve's. 
Like I think so many people, I actually really clearly remember, I don't know why this is a memory that's like stuck in my brain. You know when Diary of CEO was just him sharing his diary? Yeah. I remember listening to that and I was on the, it's when I lived back with my family and I literally remember being like where I was on the train station. That's so odd. You know when you have those really yeah, like, that's so sweet. like you can play something back to a time. And I remember at that time, like he was a name that if you were in the business and marketing space, you would absolutely know. But now... You know, I remember when I did the panel with you, I had like an old friend I went to school with going, oh my God, you've spoken to someone that knows Stephen Bartlett. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, he's incredible. That but like, my mind. <laughs> wow, like that's gone so much bigger. But I think with personal branding, you know, so many people see that 6,000 tickets sold out in 30 minutes. But do they see the years of, like you said, the free stuff, the nurturing, the community? If you can kind of track it back, like how many years would you say, if we use Stephen as the example, like that's been, you know, building it in order to then start to see the real reward? Our team has existed for about three years now in terms of a full personal branding squad team who build and focus on every element of the Diary of a CEO brand, including like Steve's personal brand. I know that he had a personal branding team when he was working at a social chain in Manchester, mm. which, you know, was really unheard of at the time, like a whole team dedicated to building his brand. But yeah, again, his brand was the main source of client inquiry because people bought into him. They kind of gave their money to go, we trust him, you know, go and make something crazy happen. So that's why they they saw that as the main sales source. So they invested in the personal branding team. So, I mean, we're talking six, seven years now of like a dedicated team building his platform. Wow. Okay. You said personal branding squad. I know the listeners will have heard that and been like, what does that look <laughs> like? How, cause you know, the clues in the title, right? Personal brand. Do you think that needs to be me? That would yeah. be, I think for so many people, the last thing they would look to outsource or get team yeah. to help with. So I've got, I've mean, so many questions on this, but I guess it's the first one, like, you know, to whatever extent you're comfortable sharing, what is the balance between your team that manages and, and kind of helps with you know, Diary CEO's brand and, and Stephen's personal brand versus what he does. Because as an external perspective, it feels like he's the one. Doing posting, which is obviously a huge credit to what you guys do, what is the split? Like, what can you carry and then what needs to come from the brand themselves? I think the important thing here is how we built from Steve upwards. So mm. I was high number, so we're talking about like the Diary of a CEO team, if we're going from when I started, I was high number one. Mm. I spent three to six months sat next to Steve every single day, learning, 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 learning. I mean, I sat down on day one and he went, so you're gonna start posting? And I was like, to your millions of followers? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you not wanna see it first? And he was like, this is gonna be a quick learning curve. You're gonna post, I'm gonna feed back, we're gonna go again. Wow. And it's gonna be a very iterative process. And he said, this next three months of your life are gonna be the craziest learning experience you've ever been through. He was right. Um, I mean, you two were then like, a match perfect for each other <laughs> in terms of that real like yeah. like fail fast learn fast that kind of mindset. yeah and he's definitely definitely ingrained that in me and made me more aware of that as like a mm. as a focus it was probably something I was doing more like a as like a happy accident yeah as opposed to like intentionally and that it was a crazy learning experience but I learned both incredible social media marketing skills from him but also I spent so much time with him I did know him I do know him quite well. It was because of that intensity at the start that meant I could project 
him as a brand online. And, you know, I would go to every single talk, every single event, no mm. matter where it was around the world, I would listen into every single podcast. And I made myself the expert on Stephen Bartlett, which meant that when it comes to communicating online, I had a pretty good idea. But it wasn't like that from day one. Like, my God, that those first 30 days of three months, mm. I'd post something within seconds. It was like, I would have said this, change this. Um, let's mix this up. My tone of voice is a bit more like this. I would like, I would have rather gone for a more unique point on this. And he sees everything within seconds. Even now, you know, we're posting 50 plus pieces of content a week across eight different platforms. And he sees everything. Nothing is missed by him because he cares so much. And he's you know, so interested and so passionate is his thing. So that time was really important because it was like mm. an intense training course essentially, but it also taught me skills that have allowed me to progress the brand beyond the time he has. Yeah. So that was really important. And you know, a lot of what you see online is sourced from something he said somewhere mm. or his books or his content or his talks. And we have hours and hours and hours of content to go from mm. and then essentially we elevate that through the social media channels and so what happened is I did that period of time and then we kind of moved from being on LinkedIn and Instagram to being on LinkedIn Instagram TikTok building a telegram community snap the podcast was growing and blowing up and we yeah. wanted to really use organic social to promote that so we started to build out the team and I then replicated that training that I'd had with my team so that we're all on the same page. Mm. And I think the most important thing when you're outsourcing your personal brand is to spend that time together at the start. Whether you can afford to do, you know, a day, a week, six months. Yeah. Like that will, that will vary depending on the scale that you're looking to grow. It is really important that, you know, the person, you know, you're, mm. this is this is kind of what I was saying. It's, I find it really strange when people are outsourcing to people they've never met and going down the ghostwriter route because I just question like what the goal is. Because if the goal is to elevate yourself and create this digital reputation, mm. someone kind of creating industry focused posts that don't have your unique take or your opinion attached to them is probably gonna only get you so far. So I think that time together is really important, but also having that wealth of content to to learn from mm. was really vital for us understanding tone of voice. You know, we'll we'll create strategies on like a quarterly basis and we'll chat them through with Steve and we'll talk with Steve and we're with him every day in the office, which mm. is really crucial to us because we're just spending so much time together and we're at the talks and we're doing all this stuff. So being office first and being together is really really important for the success of the brand without mm -hmm. a doubt and yeah so then it was kind of a ripple effect so once Steve's kind of trained me and I had the opportunity to like train up the team and everything's growing and we're growing everything all together then yeah that's kind of how the squad emerged yeah that's so interesting I mean first of all it sounds like if you ever went on those quiz shows where you have to pick a specialty topic yours would be Stephen Bartlett you'll be like I've trained for this my whole <laughs> life I spent three weeks following him. There's still so much that surprises me. <laughs> I love it. Um, but no, I mean, that's so interesting to hear. And, and it makes so much sense. You know, like I said in the question of like everything you see from him feels so authentic, like not to use that buzzword, but it does. It, it, there's no part of it that makes you think there's a team behind this. And with you sharing that, you know, how well you all know him. And also by, by the sounds of it as well, like how passionate he is about the quality of what's going out it makes so much sense why that output is the way it is. And I'd completely agree with you. You know, when people want to kind of outsource their, I think like personal brand or business brand, like any kind of like external communication, if you want to hire someone and you say to them, I don't know, 
what to do. So like you just do what you want. Actually, I feel like that's just like handing away any impact that can be achieved because by the sounds of it, everything you guys are doing is about taking what is already true around his mission and impact and what he cares about and opinions and whatever and just learning how to amplify that and share it in different ways. You're not crafting anything. You're actually just taking what's already true and using that. So that's really interesting to hear. On that note then of kind of, you know, supporting someone else's personal brand, but also building your own. Like I find it exhausting <laughs> building one brand at a time. You have this team that you manage, you, you know, work on Steven's personal brand. But as I said in your intro, like you are also hugely successful through the social climate building your own brand. I think the big question people would have for you is like, how do you do it all? <laughs> like, I know this is the question that you probably hear and you're like, coffee and lack of sleep um unless you've got some magic solution for us but like what what does it look like behind the scenes to kind of out you know put out so much especially through two different voices i literally <laughs> laugh so much when people say how do you do it all because if you could line up my family my boyfriend <laughs> my friends they would all laugh in your face because <laughs> there's so many elements of my life that don't get shown on social media obviously and i yeah. If anyone leaves with anything from this, it's like, please don't believe everything you see on social media. Like, I'll share my highlight reels the same way that everyone else does. Uh -huh. So much of my life is messy. Like, so much of my life is messy. I haven't been consistent on the social climber since I started. I mean, the first six months, I didn't post anything because I mm. simply did not have the time and I valued what I was learning more than using that as a platform. Yeah. And so I only started to wake it up after about six months because as I said, it's my playground and it's my chance to keep myself clued up on what's going on because mm. I see it as a responsibility. So I, so I forces me in a, like an accountability way yeah. to stay on top of things. So that's when I started to wake up again. And I don't put too much pressure on myself when it comes to that because really I have this full-time incredible career which I see as the greatest you know blessing and opportunity and learning experience and really what you see on the social climber is like an overflow of that because mm -hmm. anything that's going on there we've already kind of discussed internally that day or has been shared on our staying ahead chats because we're obsessed with kind of the next upcoming things and the new mm. features and people are just sharing everything they see. It really is just very kind of top of the, very top of what flows over that gets shown onto that because I'm, you know, very lucky that I'm not relying on it for an income anymore. I have, you know, a, mm. a full-time job and a nine, nine to five, it's not a nine <laughs> to five at all, full-time <laughs> job that I rely on for my income. So mm. everything else really is like a lovely benefit. And I'm starting to get into a rhythm with it again. It's tricky and it's challenging and I beat yeah. myself up most nights being like, why didn't you post today? Why did you not create content today? Like, look at all these other people who are creating all this incredible content and you're not offering enough value, Grace. Why are you not offering enough value? Like, that's in the back of my head all the time. But yeah, I've actually started to create a, um, and this has gone completely off topic from what you probably <laughs> asked me, but like, notes in my phone of kind of things that I have done because I started to really, uh, you know, each day being like, mm. um, receive that amazing message or receive that inquiry and created that piece of content. And you did do this because I will genuinely finish my day, which will sound bizarre and go, you didn't do anything today because I may not have created something 10 out of 10 fantastic, or I may not have had a viral campaign or like, yeah, which is bizarre because when you're, for when you're living on those highs all the time, anything else kind of seems a bit menial. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to start rather than deleting everything off my to-do list when I've done it, I just cross it out and just like little things so I can visibly see that I have done lots of things. So it's almost like the opposite of what you said, like, how do you do it all? I genuinely often feel yeah. like today I've, and this will sound like probably quite toxic and crazy. I managed to fit, like I fit everything. I, I sat up last night at about 11 p.m. And I was like, I need to go 
on a 14k run today i need to record this podcast with you i need to get through about three client calls at work i need to do a one-on-one with one-to-one with a member of my team i need to sign off all this content and i was literally like with a jigsaw puzzle with my day Mm. just trying to slot it all in have i prioritized my sleep today no have I prioritized like my relationship today? No. Have I pr- prioritized like my friendship today? No. Have I prioritized like my food and like eating healthy food, which is really important to me today? No. So what I'll make sure I'll do tomorrow, because this is my version of balance, is swap it over and prioritize all of those things. Yeah. So people often talk about work-life balance. I just believe in like life and just balance. Yeah. Because for me, work is such an important part of my life that mm. I feel so lucky to have. And I know not everybody gets to call their work something they love yeah so I see that as a huge privilege I love to do it I it blends and it merges in this like current state of my life into mm. everything else I do so for me it's just a case of I have my priorities everything I kind of just said work is one of them my relationships my health all of those things and I try and take as many buckets as I can a day and I also have a list on my phone <laughs> god all my lists I'm a list freak I love it um, me too. <laughs> there's a TikTok trend going around right now which is like me and my devil and devil is my lists <laughs> And I have a list of non-negotiables, which I got from like an Australian influencer. And there's everything on there from like having my nails done because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel put together. It's my calm every two weeks. I love having my nails done. It's just something that people think is super, super superficial. My dad is like, that is so sad. And I'm like, no, No, I completely get it. It's so important to me. And it's also like, I don't know. I feel like we've got matching nails. We've both gone brown. Um, Autumn brown. Autumn brown. That's a girlies. Um, what was I going to say? I, I totally get that though. Because I feel like if my nails are done, I feel like I'm on top of life. Yeah. I'm like, it's whatever so goes wrong, at least my fingers look good. Which when you think about it, it maybe is a bit odd, but I'm with you. No. And then, you know, everything on there from like making sure you spend some time outside every day mm. and making sure you're prioritizing your sleep where you can. And I care a lot about all those things. Like I wear, I mean, all of us do, but like we wear whoops because it's so important to us like our health is without our health we have nothing and we're in such a fast-paced environment all the time if we don't prioritize that it will slip to the wayside and then Mm. we'll end up not being able to perform at our best so yeah I'm always thinking about all of those things and trying to just fulfill as many as my as many of my non-negotiables as possible Mm. but I'm still like it's super messy I'm still figuring it all out I'm 26 like I some days get it completely wrong and I'm trying to figure it all out but what you see online you know I'm only going to share like the best bits because that's all the time I've got I don't have time to share the bits where I'm crying in the corner (laughs) wondering what on earth's happening and how I've got it so wrong and all you know all those other bits because I'm busy doing it so fair play to the people that do like do you know what I mean like if you've got the time and capacity to share that part of your life online like Mm. amazing good for you like I don't think there's a right or a wrong I barely have time to create the content that I'm sharing right now so Mm. what you're saying is the best parts of what we're already talking about basically Mm. at work and I get to share that to a great reception and it's really cool yeah I so appreciate you sharing that though because I think you know that that to me is what this kind of podcast is all about is that like honest look at business and just not adding to the glorification of you know all the I'm, I almost think can we have both like let's talk about the shiny and be super motivated and talk about how amazing it can be We're not shying away from that but also let's acknowledge what it often takes to get there and I think what you've touched on there it's really funny you say that because it was something I was thinking about yesterday actually was this idea of like if people expect the behind the scenes of business to be perfect or non-messy actually they are 
eliminating their progress. Like I just think the behind the scenes, I guess maybe it's easier for us to look at it this way because we see the behind the scenes of other people's businesses. Mm. And I see, you know, I've had clients before where they're like, my dream, you know, I look up to them and then I get to know them and talk to them about the business. I'm like, oh, you're the same as me. Like Everyone your emails are a bit of a mess. Your accountant's chasing you for something. You don't feel like you're doing enough. And it's not that any of us are celebrating other people's messiness, but it's realizing that actually, if you set the bar as imperfect action, you progress so much better. And you also treat yourself in a much kinder way. Like you said, it almost sounds like there's that shift there for you of going from like beating yourself up for not doing enough to actually just having a bit of compassion and going look at everything you have done. Because at the end of the day, I think in, in the worlds that we're in, the to-do list could never be done. You could have always created another piece of content. Say you did feel that you were consistent. Okay, now go start a podcast. Go be consistent there or go and send emails. So yeah, I think that's so true of like, I haven't met anyone where their behind the scenes is not messy. And if people's behind the scenes isn't messy, I'm like, you're not doing enough. You're obviously not stretched. <laughs> like, when Maybe people, that's toxic. When people are like taking full hour lunch breaks every day, I'm like, wow, you're not working very hard, are you? <laughs> Which is the most toxic thing I could possibly ever say. Generally, but that actually goes through my mind because I'm like, that. Uh, you know, I'm trying to find every hour in the day possible. Mm. Um, but I think what you touch in there is is, is true, and it, you know, you can choose it to be true for you. It doesn't have to be for others. But it's just the idea of trade offs. Everything requires a trade off. You want to say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. And I also really like what you said about balance of not looking at like just the day and going, was this like a perfectly balanced day? But just trying to zoom out and go, do you know what? I should do my best every day. And if I like, it's not all or nothing. If I don't, you know, eat well today, that's fine. I'll do it tomorrow. You can't control yesterday. You can't control tomorrow. You can only control today. Like I swear by that because mm. my otherwise you're constantly chasing or you're constantly looking back. My life and the industry we work in is super fast paced. And if you're constantly looking forward or looking back, you're like not being present and not paying attention to what's going on in the moment. Um, so yeah, that's really important for me. And I think the work-life balancing for when you work in like the 21st century in <laughs> social media, digital, anything that where the lines are super blurred is just a really unhelpful narrative. And actually I spent quite a long time trying to chase this like idealistic work-life balance. Mm. And I couldn't figure out why it was making me actually unhappier. And it was because I, I love my work and trying to stop it and then look in this direction at life, which is like, what? Like, why is my work up against my life when yeah. life is here and work is one element that I love mm. and then all these other elements? Yeah. So for me, it's just a case of like juggling them and balancing them at different times. It's different ratios between the different things. Mm. And it's not like 50-50 or like 70-30. It's just like, what do I need to do right now to maintain different things? And yeah. I think I will also add, like I'm, I feel super lucky to be surrounded by incredible people who lift me up because mm. I think it would be really hard to do what I do even you know even if I was freelancing and working solo or in the team if I didn't have you know incredible network around me of supportive people and people I can lean on for different things yeah and also those people where you can say are you having like a really shit time behind the scenes as well? <laughs> yeah, cool, great. It's not just me. For you, that's reassuring. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying not to smile when people tell me about their problems. <laughs> but it is that. So it's like just knowing you're not the only one is so powerful. So reassuring. Um, yeah, and I just know for so many people, like they will, like you said, there's just that glorification of you see people's output and you don't see the behind the scenes. And I think any reminder that that those two things aren't always the same is always so helpful. So appreciate your honesty i know that people will have always appreciate that i asked my community what they would want to ask you yeah so i'd love to end on three 
personal branding questions. They don't necessarily need to be quick fire. I personally always hate it when people are like, I'm not very good at give quick me fire. the best expertise in three words. I so talk far too much. They'll fire. just be general questions to, to round us off with. First one being niching with a personal brand. First of all, I feel like the word niching is like dying a death. It's like really prevalent, like three, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I hated it. And yeah. now I'm like, yes. Find your niche. Literally, or it's niching. Niche. Yeah. This is actually a selfish question because when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, I really struggle with that. Mm. Niching when you feel like a multi-hyphenate. Mm. To take Emma Gannon's fantastic concept, yeah. which I've never resonated with more, more yeah. than anything else. If people feel that they are, you know, have so many passions, do so many different things, maybe that, yeah, there is a, a wider umbrella, but they're like, gosh, there's so much to communicate here. What's your take on like, how niche do you need to be? Uh, I know there's not going to be binary rules, but I guess sake of clarity, do people need to pick one thing or are there ways that you can bring a few different passions or, or missions together? When it comes to niching and personal branding, I like to flip it. So I mm. say, what do you want to be known for? Because that quickly goes, you know, that quickly helps you to identify who your target audience are and mm. what you want, to, how you want to present yourself online. So if I see p personal branding as digital reputation, for me, it's really important that I communicate my expertise in like the area that I work in, but I'm also mm. super passionate about running um, and I really like, you know, good food and I'm interested in sort of some degree of like fashion or whatever. So for me, they're the kind of elements personally that I would elevate onto like this digital reputation platform. Yeah. And the reason I do that is because I go, what do I want to be known for? I don't just want to be like known. I don't want to be like a... I'm not trying to be a celebrity. That's not that's not the end goal here. My mm. end goal is to allow develop myself into kind of an industry leading thought leader voice so that when people think of social media or they think of personal branding, they think of me. Therefore, as a result, when opportunities arise like speaking engagements, events, panels, podcasting, mm. I'm the top of their list. Like that that's my goal with creating this digital reputation. Yeah. I think the question of niching down is often confused when people don't know why they're dibbing it or like what the point is. Mm. Like is your are the, is the reason you're building a personal brand to demonstrate your knowledge in a certain industry is that, so that people come and connect with you so that you build a greater network. Amazing, mm. then you're gonna probably share industry expertise, but you're probably gonna share things that people connect with. So little elements of your life that make you stand out or feel a little bit unique or whatever you're comfortable with sharing. Yeah, And the reason I, will often talk about running or often share my day in the life or often share different elements consistently mm. is because then people associate things with you and it helps to build that connection. Yeah. I've seen quite a few things that say people um, come up with like three of those type of things mm. so that people go, oh yeah, Grace, she um, often talks about social media, but I also know she's like, does these runs and I also know she does this because mm. it just builds that little bit more connection with the person, yeah. which is what you want with the community. So I personally say, like, what do you want to be known for? Like, do you want to mm. be known as, like, the best business mental coach? Um, and therefore, that will dictate the sort of topics you talk about. But it's also, like, super flex. Like, if you're someone who doesn't want to share anything other than that industry and what you want to be known for, fine. Mm. If you want to add, like, little degrees of touches of your life. I know you have, like, a funny ongoing joke about, like, your part, your boyfriend <laughs> that, like, has become embedded in your yeah, personal yeah, brand. Yeah. But when I think of you, I think of that. Mm. Because it adds that little kind of connection piece and like humanizes it all a little bit. Yeah. But I think the issue is people are, s I, I think we used to care a lot more about niching down. And I think what I've actually learned is just start, just get going. Know 
the kind of north star of what you kind of want to be heading towards mm. and it will happen really naturally yeah. because you'll start to learn one what people connect with and are interested in what you enjoy talking about and writing about and feel comfortable sharing and, and yeah both of those both of those things and naturally you'll start to kind of talk about the same things mm. generally in the same sort of sphere but it can evolve and change over time and like just because you start here doesn't mean you can't end up over there as well yeah it shouldn't be limiting whatever you do but I think you do need to know what you want to be known for or why mm. you're doing it because that will be your driving factor for the types of topics you talk about yes and I think what people maybe are getting a little bit muddled up with right now is just this idea of putting themselves online they don't know why they're doing it, yeah. but they're just talking. It's almost like, I'm going to become Big Brother and you will see everything, everything I'm doing and thinking and feeling. Which is, you know, in some ways, like lifestyle content creators, if mm. that's what you want to do, amazing. Like share your life in the artistic way that they do. And that is the goal. If you know that that's your goal, perfect. But I think what we're seeing a lot of on LinkedIn, and this is going to sound like I'm an absolute LinkedIn creator hater, <laughs> um, is just people talking and I'm like what's the end goal here are you going to try and sell a course are you going to try and treat this as a lead mark like what where are you going with this I don't think they know and I see that and like sense that in their content and I don't think don't get me wrong not every post should be like a salesy or like a super intentional for a goal mm -hmm. but in a roundabout way at the back of your mind you want to know that the people this is going to attract are eventually going to be interested in whatever your own goal is. That makes total sense. And I think that's a great point of like, almost, I guess, finding that middle ground mm. of in an ideal world, if you can have a sentence that's like, this is what I want to be known for. I guess that's a good litmus test. Like if yours is five sentences long and you're running out of breath trying to say it, like we're probably trying to do too much at once. If you can kind of sum up that North Star in plain English in a few words, that's enough. You're probably that on the right fit. track. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's like great. that sprinkle of the stuff we connect with and resonate mm. about and enjoy and the reason we're humans like that's going to make people warm up to you so yeah bring that in where you can but everyone has different boundaries yeah that's a great answer the next one that people were interested to hear about was trolling slash negative responses because obviously part and parcel of building a personal brand is you are much more visible as a person I think we're hopefully all beginning to understand that, you know, as you said, with people's behind the scenes, your personal brand is a curated version of you, but obviously it is you. And sometimes the the fear for people, I think, can be right. If I build a personal brand, how am I going to react if and when anything negative comes back? Um, open to you taking this answer in whatever direction you want to. I guess be good to hear, like, is this something you've experienced yourself or would you just have anything that you'd share for people where that's maybe in the back of their minds? You know, personally, I've been really lucky so far not to experience it, but equally I have a very tough skin mm. and I've seen it happen and play out over and over and over again. It still baffles me that one, the trolls care enough to do it in the first yeah. place. And then secondly, people care what these people who've never met them think about them. Mm. So for me, I think I'm just lucky. Like I've got a very thick skin and that sort of thing doesn't really, that sort of thing doesn't really concern me too much. Obviously we see it all the time with Steve. You know, you've got people who just like to take people down. Like they mm. will write articles. They will post a million comments. They'll DM, like you see it all. And I just don't think of them as like people I care enough about to worry about. Yeah. And I think there's probably a difference between trolls who I see as like the kid in the bedroom who's got nothing better to do, but mm. is angry and wants to write a load of spam on your posts. And then there's probably people just sharing different opinions. I think that's really helpful. 
I think mm. different differing opinions for me and like my industry is super helpful. Like I'd love people to come and go, actually like I don't agree with that post because of X, Y, Z. I'm yeah. like, fantastic. I can learn from you. That's much more helpful for me than like people commenting like three heart emojis. Yeah. I can learn from you. I can share like my contrasting opinion and like that's how I develop my voice. Like that's mm. so helpful for me. But equally, if you're someone who doesn't want to see differing opinions and you just want to be in this like little love filter bubble, you have the power to delete their comments and not interact and take the power away from yeah. from them interacting with your personal brand. So it's different for everyone or business or whatever it is. It's different for everyone, but you set your boundaries and you set where you're going to draw the line. And if that means, you know, going in the back end of Instagram and saying, mm. if any comments include this word, delete, I never want to see it. Do that, like set yeah. yourself up for success, whatever that means for you. And like uh, make sure the control never leaves you and it doesn't ever get into the hands of people who are on the other side of a screen who you've never mm, met. Love that. I feel like if you could bottle your like thick skinness and your like openness to experimentation, I think you could be a millionaire, Grace. <laughs> people be here for it. One day. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. And love all those like practical tips as well. Cause I think that sometimes I remember when it kind of happened to me years ago, that is the thing you're looking for. It's like great yes people are telling me this doesn't matter or you know oh it's a sign you're doing well like what can I actually do so I think those are really great to share final question and I've left this till last because I won't lie it's not a question I would have written myself because I don't agree with the fact that there are any secrets behind anything or you know but people have these questions I think it's about eight of them shared with me as we round off Grace what is <laughs> the secret behind Stephen Bartlett's incredible personal brand the people want to know you're part of the brains team <laughs> like it is even when there was three of us now to nearly 30 of us mm. the people i work with are the best at what they do in every single part of what we do so the production through to the commercials through to the management through to steve's assistant i feel so incredibly lucky to work with people who inspire me every single day mm. and who care so deeply yeah. you will never meet people who are all on this shared mission and vision who if you asked anyone in the room you know what's the direct mission what's the what's the vision where are you heading what are your values mm. would be able to recite them like this like experimentation fail fast kindness care deeply about what we're doing yeah. do it for impact do it for people do it for, for because we care like it's ingrained in our soul. We care so deeply because we see the impact people, we see the impact the podcast is having on people, both at events when people come up and tell us, in DMs, in messages, people quitting their jobs, people leaving relationships, people coming out of depression, people, you know, these crazy mm. real life things, which means we'll never stop doing what we're doing. Yeah. Because until every single person has come through that journey, you know, yeah. we, we haven't done enough and I think it's because you know we've associated what we do with that real life impact that adds so much value and meaning to what we do mm -hmm. that it does just feel like the greatest privilege on earth like I'm su obviously super biased I think I have the best job in the world yeah and I think some people would agree <laughs> with that to be fair I think many people would be like wow how do I do that <laughs> and it, it's a it's a result of the, the culture that's ingrained in us the values that are ingrained in us yeah. and you know there's not many places in 2023 where 99% of people, unless they need to go and do something, they've got a doctor's appointment, whatever, will choose to be in the office. Mm. And I think that in itself speaks volumes for like what's what's being created behind the scenes. And I think to add to that, uh, the the that's, you know, one part of it, which I think is so important. That's why I turn up for work every day and I love it. And I think it's the best thing in the world. The other part is I could never sit here and tell you what the secret is because 
we are learning and testing and trialing every single day. And the secret probably is, is that we're doing that faster than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So we're figuring out and learning and experimenting at a faster rate than all of our competition which yeah. means we're figuring out the answers quicker. And our culture of experimentation failing fast is the difference between us getting to number one, celebrating getting complacent, and us getting to number one and going, okay, now how do we get to number one in America? Okay, now how do we get to number one in Oz? Okay, how do we now build this into a media company? Okay, how do we now produce a book? Yeah. And, not, and not stopping and getting complacent when we kind of get to the top which yeah. is the natural thing to do mm -hmm. and we've seen the demise of so many uk podcasts or so many uk shows as a result of that who go oh we figured it out that must be the secret let's keep doing that you can't in the world we work in mm. and the world we live in because that secret will only last two three weeks mm. and then you need the next secret and the next secret and the next secret so the secret really is just do as many experiments as you possibly can yeah. and keep learning test fail learn test fail learn like that's at the core of everything we do. That's our secret sauce, really. That yeah. and the people. I think that is th the best note to kind of end on and leave people with. It's just that reminder of, like you said, like there is no secret thing. The secret, which is not a secret, because <laughs> it's very easy to do, <laughs> is the experimentation and the learning. And actually I can say, I remember when I was earlier in the year involved in the MailChimp conference and I heard Steve talking about the podcast and he said, I think someone, a similar question, you know, what's the secret behind the success? And I think he shared something of like, you know, before it goes live, we test 10 um, titles for the podcast and we put ads behind them and we see which perform best and then we pick titles. But And you're like, like, I remember hearing that. And just like my respect for everything you guys do just went tenfold of like, gosh, yeah, fair enough. Like you guys are not just chilling at the top. Like there is constant graft to stay at the top. And you said then get to the top in other areas. I mean, um, you'll laugh because we now test 100 thumbnails and 100 titles before every single episode. 100! Oh my and gosh. And we've started testing research topics before it even gets into Steve's hands so that we know what people are more interested in about that certain guest, about certain topics. Wow. There's never an end goal. There's never enough. Like, there, there genuinely is never enough. We're like, cool, what more can we do? What more can we do? Mm. Everything from, like, the music. We find out the music that people are more likely to open up to because it triggers a memory for them will play as they walk into the podcast studio do you know what I mean like you can't write this stuff because there's so many details that go into the mm. this growth and doesn't surprise us the growth we're seeing now yeah because six months ago we were putting in the work that we expected these results to kind of come from the work we're putting in now we won't see for another six months time because that's how the process works and we're grinding like I think I have the best job in the world but my god does this team work harder than anyone I've ever met mm -hmm. and that's because we care like that all yeah. comes back to that culture and that values piece like mm. if you care about something you will just work harder than anyone else so energized after this I'm like it's 8 p.m but I need to go build my personal <laughs> brand and what get some sleep because it's a priority as well oh my gosh yes <laughs> look after yourself I really want a whoop band so now you've said that I'm like yeah, adding to my desire. Well, the sponsorship is ready when they are, you know. Hashtag no, ad, please no, sponsor us. They are, obviously, we work with them through the podcast, so. But, you know, you love them anyway. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today. And, yeah, I just know this is going to be one of those episodes where people are like, took so much from it. Thank you for your, your honesty. I just think that's one of the biggest things that people say about listening to these episodes is like just hearing those people that you look up to tell you how it really is and I think you have delivered on that incredibly today so thank you for your time and obviously unless if people don't already know about you all of your links will be in the show notes and they can come and see what you're doing firsthand. Mm -hmm.